When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Boot Room, the number one Cardiff City podcast. Brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blakey's Boot Room, the Cardiff City podcast from Wales Online, brought to you in association with Giovanni's Restaurants. It's been a bit of a tough time for Cardiff City at the start of the season after a defeat to Norwich in the Carabao Cup and a draw at Huddersfield in the Premier League. But things are looking up. There's some big games around the corner and I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Blake. Good afternoon. He's just adjusting his baseball cap. Uh, And Paula Vandenato, welcome back. Hello. For uh, choosing the podcast over Ryan Giggs' press conference today. So that's... What there a great sign that is. I pulled rank on him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be getting through uh, a number of topics, including the two games just gone, Cardiff's striker issue, the potential imbalance in the squad, and obviously some Ask Blakey. And look unbalance. Ahead. Unbalance or imbalance? If you want to tweet us at Cardiff City Live, is it unbalance or imbalance? That's yeah, good it. question, because these two have just been arguing. A big debate we're having at the so minute. So let's have it. Um, Blakey, we'll get to your predictions at the end as well, because I believe you've done rather well. I just, think I did do rather well, I yeah. Expect nothing different, but you? I couldn't. Re- I couldn't remember about six of them. I've got them here. Okay, we'll do them at the man. end. Top man. Let's get straight into the two games that have just gone. Then uh, Nathan and we'll start with Huddersfield. Mm. Nil nil draw. Obviously, another game where Cardiff didn't break down the team with ten men. Mm. Had huge chances to win it towards the end. What mm. did you make of it? Um, I understand that side of the coin. I would flip and say another game where Cardiff didn't concede a goal. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so, a positive. A, a massive positive in the Premier League. I think that can go overlooked somewhat, which I think it is. I think, um, you know, uh, three games, one defeat, two draws. You think, okay, mm, not bad. Me personally, I think it's good. Of course, you like to get your first win and what have you. But I said in the beginning, before the start of the season, if you can just keep picking up points, you know, coming out of games with a point, you go in with a point, come out with a point, and you can start to build some confidence. I have to say, okay, you look at the Norwich performance, and we'll go into that in a minute. But then the the Newcastle performance, I thought was fantastic. To be honest with you, I thought it was really good. And then going to Huddersfield, who, you know, have got some big scalps, you know, up there in their time. So, yes, they're the teams that you're going to have to beat. But at the start of the season and a newly promoted team, for me, as long as you're not getting beat and you're picking up points, like I said, I don't think it's a bad thing because you're coming up against someone like Arsenal and they can be one of two things. You know, it's a fragile club at the moment. They can either come and be absolutely... They could be brilliant on the day or, you know, Cardiff could give them something that they're not ready for and come out with a result. So, all in all, for me, Dom, 
you know, I know a lot's been said and a lot's been written, but I still think Cardiff, you know, are in a good good position, um, and they're having to. You, you have to build. You know, you, you don't start with the finished team, finished article sort of thing. You have to build towards that. And after Bournemouth, very worrying. But subsequently, the two results after. And two clean sheets in you know, three games. And two clean sheets. The, the, the Norwich game is... I've been in that situation where you, you almost want to... I'll take this the wrong way, fans, but you almost want to get out of the cup as quickly as possible. So you focus on the only thing that is important and that is trying to stay up. And and that's, to me, um, what do they make? Eight changes, I think? Nine Cardiff, changes. Nine think, changes. Yeah. Uh, although Norwich made ten changes. But Norwich needed the result to go into the weekend. They got a massive derby. Cardiff just needed to get out, get that game out of the way sort of thing to get to the Arsenal game. They're going to be 100% focused on Premier League football and survival. I guess the, the the way that people are reading the Huddersfield game, like you were saying, there are positives to take out of it. Mm. But Paul, are people considering uh, the disappointment of the Huddersfield game because of what's to come and because of these tough fixtures ahead of Cardiff and because of the failure to score? Are they, are they dominate, dominating the headlines in that way? I think so. I mean, what are they now? It's Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, Man City Tottenham are coming up very soon, Liverpool are not far away. I mean, these are games that I think people would say that anything Cardiff get is a bonus and so they could end up with just a two-point haul at the end of that lot, potentially. I think that's what the concern is. Um, it never goes like that, though, Paul. No, of course it doesn't. There's we'll, Wolves we'll, show with Man City. Yeah, and we'll come on to Arsenal mm. in a moment because I think there's a way Cardiff can beat them. Um, if I do have a concern for Cardiff, it's the... And this this was happening at the end of last season. It's the lack of creativity from open play and the lack of goals. There's nothing new in this. This was happening last three months of, of the Championship campaign, but of course they're playing against a lesser quality of defence and so we're able to score goals to win games back then. Um, it's, you know, Newcastle had 10 men, Huddersfield had 10 men, but, you know, it's hardly, it's not as if they had 10 men for the entire game, is it? It's the last 20 minutes. Should Cardiff have put them both to the sword? I was disappointed when Newcastle went down. I thought Cardiff lost their way in the last 10-15 minutes of that game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought that down. was down to substitutions. Um, but it was yeah. the opposite against Huddersfield. Cardiff actually improved yeah, a lot when it, Huddersfield went to yeah, 10 men. But it, it wasn't difficult to improve on what they produced in the first 65 no. minutes, was it? No. Um, it's the lack of goals that concerns me. And I've already got Swansea fans on goading me, saying things like, do you think, do you think Cardiff will score a goal before Christmas and that sort of thing? I had a look at this, and I think this is relevant what I'm going to say here, because when Swansea first went into the Premier League a load of draws. with Brendan Rodgers, mm. these were their first four results, mm. which I pointed out to this Swansea fan yesterday. They lost the first game at Man City 4-0. Mm-hmm. They drew the next game with Wigan 0-0. They drew the next game with Sunderland 0-0. Mm. And then they lost 1-0 to Arsenal in their fourth game. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of an analogy with Cardiff. They couldn't score either, and suddenly Danny Graham started firing for them and, and they kicked off from there. Mm. I'll ask you, Blakey, is Danny, was Danny Graham really a better player than Ken Zahor? I'm not convinced he was. No, but so, I, I, know, think, I think... But he scored in the Premier League. That becomes very secular, doesn't it? It's just, you're saying, like, is that player better than that player? And is this, you know, the teams are completely different. The, you know, the teams they're playing against are completely different now. I think what it, what, what the, what, what it highlights, Paul, is that someone needs to become 
the goal getter. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You know, yeah. and Neil Warnock has got to drive that into three or four different players and whoever comes out on top gets the sort of number nine shirt. But they do need I still I still maintain it's it's where they should have strengthened. Yeah. They should have brought in uh, a Danny Ings or something like that. They should have actually done that business and had that sort of agreement in place last year and done something like we'll take Ings and Gruwich. We'll take Ings for twenty million and we'll take Gruwich along for the season. And well, funny mentionings, I was listening to another football podcast, Blakey, and they were saying there's a, rel- there's a relatively good chance Danny Ings could get Southampton 10 to 15 goals, mm. and that is you don't actually need a bigger tally than that from your strikers in the Premier League. 15, no. So if someone gets 15 goals, yeah. you're laughing. 12 to 15 goals now, and then dotted around, what do you need? An average, probably about 30, 32 goals. Well, Huddersfield stayed up last season with 28 goals. Yeah, so, I mean... You probably need 30. Yeah, let's say 30, 30. Ideally, you want about 50 goals to give yourself a nice, comfortable ride in the Premier League. See, see, I was at the Bournemouth game when Danny Ward came on, and the fans gave him a fantastic ovation, and he looked busy and purposeful. I wasn't at the Norwich game. He, did, he looked busy night, and purposeful I, Somebody again, yeah. whose opinion I respect was at the game. He told me Ward came on, looked really busy and purposeful and may get a start against Arsenal on the back of that. But as I said to this person, yeah, but if Ken Zahor came on the last 15, 20 minutes of a game, he'd look really effective as well. It's what you do from the start that's the issue. Somehow, yeah, if Cardiff could get a 10 to 15 goal striker with the goals that are going to come from set piece and other areas of their game, other facets of their game, and you're right, Blakey, Swansea were set up entirely differently. They had Sinclair and Dyer on the wings, mm, who were right. highly effective flank players. Mm. Um, but if Cardiff can get that fulcrum up there, that makes such a difference, because these nil-nils are turned into one-nils, aren't they? You know, the, and that's the, where you want to the try nil ones, The nil-ones are turned into the one-ones, that sort of thing. It's and not and a bad place to start off when you are keeping clean sheets, and you no. may only need one goal to win a game. No, I it's thought, the, I thought the, 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 the game... That, against Newcastle I thought the back four that would be the back four I would play and with Everidge behind um, so that's Manga Bamba Morrison and, and Bennett. Bennett yeah mm. wasn't it There's yeah. Nothing which was last against... year's back four really yeah. which is the back four they got promoted with yeah. uh, I do take the point I've always said they they lack creativity in yeah. midfield Yeah. I think Camarasa is a creative player yeah. but I think you need more it's as simple as that, and I made the I like highlighted the point um, after Newcastle that I felt Raul sitting in the number six position. Mm. Joe was thinking defensive, defensive, defensive instead of thinking right defensive duty, right. But as important, the number six is the player who gets the team ticking. He's gets converting the team defense passing. to attack, so he's he? transitioning from defense into attack. And there was a few times where if he had moved five yards left or two yards right, he would have been in a position where he gets it, moves it on, whether it's forward or sideways, five, ten-yard passes, and it just keeps the momentum and the flow of the game for Cardiff's favour. There's yeah. too many times they came out of a wing position and went all the way back to the keeper, not because they were under pressure, but simply because they weren't set up yeah. right to receive the ball. So they were forced to go back to the keeper. So creativity, I think... Is Warnock going to, sorry, is Warnock going to ask his number six... To do that sort of role, though, is it well, it's, a defensive it's not, role? It's, it's not something you ask. You, you you've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 if you're not if you've not got the ability to be able to play forward, let's just think about that for a minute. You shouldn't be playing in midfield. You, you, know, yeah. you know, midfield is about creativity. 
It's not just about tackling and dogging and, you know, mm. getting stuck in and winning ballot battles. Every position's about that. The other issue is... About winning not, your battle. You've got to offer more... You've got to get that, above the player you're playing against. It's yeah. as simple as that. And the other issue is that we, we looked, you know, Cardiff's set-piece strength under Warnock and previously is well-documented from set-pieces. Bamba, Morrison, Manga. We're yeah, up against better defenders now, though. Well, it's not so much that that worries me as... What really dawned on me from the opening game onwards is that Cardiff are not getting in the positions to get the set pieces. Well, they're not going to get as many because you that's haven't got the ball. Mean, that's so what already. I mean. So that's a worry, isn't it? Well, we made this point on the first week. If you yeah. give up, if you're saying you're going to give up possession, then just think about that for a moment. If you're going to give up sixty percent, seventy percent possession in the game, whereas last year you were getting forty to fifty percent possession and getting say twelve corners. This year, you're going to be having 30 and 40 position, possession. You're going to, that's going to, at least half, mm. you're only going to get five or six corners in a game, at best. Mm. Because you're not dominating possession. You're not, you're not in the opposition half long enough and deep enough to be causing a problem. And that's how it looked against Bournemouth. But against Newcastle, it was better. You're not going to get 15, 20 corners. You are going to get six and seven, eight probably max you'll get the freak where you get 12 but you know six or seven corners set pieces is what you're going to be looking at so so, the, so these are the inverted commas negatives that they're inevitable there a side that hasn't scored a goal in three league games it's inevitable that that's going to be a focus and a concern for people but as, as we said right at the start there I don't think we use the word foothold but there is a foothold there now isn't there absolutely with, with Blakey said the important thing is not to lose. Um, there is a foothold with a couple of nil-nil draws when you know, Cardiff could easily have won both games, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, didn't, so it's irrelevant. But This game, mind, this, this Norwich game... Arsenal becomes massive. Yeah, though, Norwich game does become significant when you lose, though. You want well, to, like I'm saying, you want to get out of it. What it does is gives you that foothold of two games. You want to go into Norwich and win that game even if it's on after extra time on penalties, you just want to get through. It's another win. But it didn't look and like it, did they? And it, what it's done is, like, if you lose now to Arsenal, yeah. you, you've lost two games in a row. People don't say, oh, there's an orange in a yeah, fuck up. They go two games wrong. Just like they, they say, uh, Cardiff were the only team not to score in out of all the 92 clubs. Now it'll be Cardiff are not the only team not to score a league goal, a Premier League goal. Let's ask. So it'll switch. Do you know what I mean? So let's ask. Let's ask Dom a question because he was at the game last night and he was oh with God. he was with Neil Warnock, right? I was watching it on Sky, and I thought he came across a little bit flippant. And listen, we're not in the habit of criticizing Neil Warnock. This is not a criticism, but I thought he was a little bit flippant in in addressing the game, um, well, saying things like, "But at least we got a goal," and. Maybe we should just go for a Chinese because we've tried everything else. And I'm all for bringing humour to it to try to. I don't think he was being flippant about the mood, getting a goal. I think he was genuinely very relieved that that, yeah, that they had scored. I was just asking what what he was yeah. like immediately afterwards in the press conference. Well, his mood. He spoke quite a lot about the fringe players who played. Yeah. And his mood towards them wasn't good. Wasn't positive. You know, basically he was saying to them, "Listen, I've given I've given you a chance, yeah. Medine." Um, Jazz Richards, Lee Peltier, whoever else that came into the team, Kadeem Harris, and you, you've made my, my selection for Arsenal very, very easy by, by not doing anything against Norwich. So now Warnock knows 
exactly the team he's going to pick against against Nor- against Arsenal. I mean, Malky McKay did this once when Cardiff won promotion under him. I think it was it was an FA Cup third round game. I think it was at Accrington, if memory serves me right. That's how distant the game is from my mind. It was only a few years ago, but you know, I'm not saying Cardiff threw the game. You don't throw a game as a manager, but he picked his second stroke, third strength. They were out. I don't think Malky uttered one murmur of I think what it does because he wants to concentrate from, on the league yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying but from Neil's perspective he knows the lines that are headlines that are going to be written and like I said you go from not scoring a goal to not scoring a Premier League goal yeah. they lost at the weekend to a championship uh, they lost in midweek to a championship club you know they're not in good form if they lose to Arsenal now and then you go and lose again to Chelsea then you go and lose to Man City you're on a four game really bad run blah 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 so Neil Warnock understands I think what that result meant he doesn't want to put his first team in there to go and win that game but he wants to put they're not his second string they're the they're part of the squad mm. they're players who could quite easily be playing in the first team right? all of them all first team inverted commas players and whether you're sulking, whether you think, oh, well, I want to play in the Premier League, I don't want to be playing against Norwich, or whether you're just out of form because you haven't played yet, what he's saying is, this is the opportunity to get you going. Yeah? So, Kadeem, go and produce crosses. Go and produce um, shots. You know, uh, Medine, go and get yourself a goal or two. You know, really, go and show Norwich why you're in the Premier League and, and they're in the Championship. So, it's a psychological thing that can turn both ways and I think losing the game it just adds to the negative for the surrounding deep down Neil Warnock won't be that bothered but he'll be bothered about performance of certain players and he'll be saying to himself listen when I want to draft you in now you know if Bruno goes down injured or Joe Rouse goes down injured or you know, Kenneth's all struggling. Or you know, I'm looking to you guys now, and I'm thinking, nah, you know, you're not. You've not done it for me. I, I, you know, I need more than that. Before we go on a quick break, can we talk about Bobby Reed as well? Because he Absolutely. was one. He was one I really thought would would push against Norwich, and you know, he's very very close to to the first team in the league, mm. and I really thought he would put down a marker either for the strikers' role or for the number tens role. He seems a little bit stuck at the moment. I don't know what to make of it. I think it. I, I I've said it from. I think it from day one. I think the problem is we've spoken to him, spoken about him as a number nine, a number ten, a seven. He could play out 11, wide this weekend, couldn't he? With Mendes Lang injured, an eight yeah. in midfield. We've spoken about him in Salvador. What is his best position, and what position? It's okay. He can. If he's on the bench, it's okay covering number seven or covering number 11 or covering number nine. But ideally, you know I am a... Hmm. What was he signed for? 10 or a nine or an 11 or... Like I say, Murphy is an 11, but I I really fancy him as a nine, right? Simple as that. Reed, I think, is probably a 10 or a seven, but can play as a nine for me. Do you know what I mean? So he's got versatility. Same as, you know, Big Sol. You say, right, he's a four or a five, but can play as a six. Yeah. You know? But I found it disappointing, Paul, when uh, Mendes Lang went off against Huddersfield and Warnock brought Patterson on when I thought that Reed would have been the more exciting and more attacking option. They're away from home. 
Um, I understand it completely, but away from home, I come back to it again as as Blake as Warnock told Blakey in that brilliant podcast we did earlier this year. He loves Patterson in that type of role because he feels that he can get goals, but you don't lose a defensive shift with him. And you know, he's away from home. I think he would regard that as more important than the extra attacking qualities that Reed could bring to the party, if you like. Um, I've seen it. You know the the bits that I've seen of Reed. He he's got something about him, hasn't he? Yeah. It just needs to to fire in a game. To do you know what I think he is? Go I on. think he's an out and out number nine. Do you? I do. I think that's all. It, if I was him, I just can't hold the ball up there, though, Blake. He can. Yeah, but I've played with nine, nines who can. Not, not great. You can play on the, the shoulder, can't he? You know, Paul. That's only about body position. You know, the size of him. He, he's, he's he's strong enough. He's not he's not a dinky little player. No. He, he's he's got a good solid. So. You just those are things you just learn to back in and roll. They they're minor. You can learn them in in a matter of days. You can learn that. You know, you one on one with someone and just get used to getting your body in a certain position when you feel them in a certain position. So that can be overcome quite quickly. But I think because of the, I don't know the lad personally, so it's difficult to say. But I think because of he can play so, so many roles. Well, I speak from experience at Cardiff City. Because I could play so many roles, people wanted to put you in. You know, Len Asher's want to put me, make me a centre half. The fool. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, it's only because you want to score the goals. Now, you know I mean, I yeah. couldn't tackle. I couldn't. Let me, you know, tell, let me tell you a ridiculous. story. Let me tell but you a story. Bobby, Doc. for me, his quickness and his sharpness, and there was that opportunity he had where he got across the front of someone and just scuffed it uh, on the weekend, and it didn't quite go in. Just went wide of the post, but. That's him, Fox, round the box. I think you could get your 10 goals. Like. Let me tell you a story, Tom. Um, I was I was <laughs> younger than you are, very rookie reporter, and uh, did a... did a, Blake had just come through at Cardiff, and he played centre-half, he played centre-forward, and I did an interview with a former Cardiff player, David Giles, right. who said, I've just... And I remember, Blake was about 18 at the time, mm-hmm. 19. 18, he said... Yeah. Paul, I've just seen the new John Charles. I'm telling you, he can play centre half, he can play centre forward, he can do this, he can do that. So I did the story. Len Ashett, his manager, rang up in a furious temper. What on earth are you doing comparing him to John Charles? Blah, blah, blah. You know, so. I praise indeed. <laughs> oh, Len just liked to keep me uh, down, the, well down. Who's the podcast? If Len Ashton had stayed a card, if I wouldn't have had a career. <laughs> and on that note, we'll go uh, yeah, swiftly into real. our next section. God bless Eddie May. <laughs> Subscribe to The Boot Room on iTunes or listen on walesonline.co.uk. So our last bit of that debate leads nicely into our part two. I want to focus more on Kenneth Sahor, and it's great to have Paul back in the studio so that we can do that. A bit of Kenneth loving. Well, loving or, or, or the opposite, because, well, my question is, love or loathing, is Kenneth Sahor the man to bring back Cardiff's goals? Because at the moment he's looking like the, the only or the main option. Mm. And... He's getting his fair share of criticism from the fans. Directed at Paul. I'm directed. <laughs> He's the man. Paul. <laughs> uh, okay, so Paul's going to do the case for the defence in case, this. Yeah. 
and then uh, Blakey's going to do the case for the prosecution. Okay. So, Paul, the case for the defence is why Kenneth Hall should continue to lead the line and is the right man to bring Cardiff's goals. Well, the reason he should continue to lead the line is because there's no other plausible option, in my opinion. Um, you cannot compare... You can't compare Gary Medine to Kenneth Zahor in terms of what they can bring to the team. Um, same with Danny Ward. Danny Ward may have many qualities, but he's not Kenneth Zahor. Cardiff made the decision, for good or for bad, and clearly Bakey thinks it's the latter, that they did their transfer business, and in terms of the centre-forward, they were going to determine where they are in January, or Christmas time, and then if they have to spend at that point, they'll they'll spend at that point. In other words, so Zahor... Yeah, but I know he didn't... I know, I know fact, first-hand fact... I won't tell you how because I've got many fingers and many pies, but I know fact Neil Warnock was looking for another striker. Yeah, no, I think that that's accepted and they were linked with Troy Deeney. I, I, I'm aware of that, but the, the fact remains they didn't get one in and instead of rushing it through in the last two days, they took the decision to prioritise midfield, which they should have done earlier anyway. And that was the view that look, we're not going to get a striker on the final day. Just just get one in for the sake of it. At this point, we'll we'll go with what we've got, and then we'll reassess. So, what was Reed then? Well, well, you've already answered that in the first part of this podcast. He, he's a ten or a false nine, or he can play out wide. You know, I think the jury's out on. What his my best point is, they knew they needed more goals, and they needed an attacker, a number yeah. nine, yeah. right? Even to. Uh, even if you say I'm keeping Medine, I'm keeping Zahor, and Danny Ward, I've got Danny Ward. Yeah. You're still going to need. If you look across those three, you, you think to yourself, okay, well, are you kind of is is anyone guaranteeing you ten goals there? Well, the way Warnock plays, only one of them can play because obviously there's the lone striker in the formation that he plays. And what I would say in defence of Zahor. And I can't defend his goal record because it's non-existent in the Premier League at the moment, yeah? And it may continue to be non-existent, right? But where I would defend him is to say that in the games I've seen, he's been totally isolated up front, up top. That's true. That is um, true. And he's up there against, what, four defenders? You know, you expect him to hold the ball up, link play, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't see... A situation where Cardiff has advanced up the pitch enough to get the best out of Kenneth Zahora. That comes moment. down to tactics and technicals, then. What? Yeah. What tactics? That comes down to coaching. Well, possibly, but at the moment, I think the jury has to continue to remain out on Zahor in the hope that he will. Well, we have to. We, we have to say yeah? it's either okay, it's either he's not good enough. It's tactical, or we we technically. Technically, I think he's good enough, but tactically, it's how the team are set up. And this is what we said against Bournemouth. It's no good just thinking we're going to counter-attack. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. We're going to counter-attack, and when we got the ball, but we'll sit deep. This league, you have to say, right, where we're going to try and win the ball, it's not going to be perfect, but how we're going to try and win the ball, in what areas, and then, once we got the ball... Do we go one, two passes, go, or do we just go? Is it, you know, and I know sometimes often it's off the cuff, 
but you need to give you know patterns and, and, and muscle memory of patterns into the brain so you know right soon as I break soon as I win the ball in this position I know or automatically Murphy's going to be off my left side streaking down the left right I know and I'm going to hear his one call and I'm going to know exactly where he's going you know when you counter attack it's such people think oh you lose the ball so you counter attack but most teams in a set in the Premier League are set up to counter your counter mm. Yeah, so if you lose the ball, they're looking to get it back off you within five seconds normally. So you're not going to. Do you understand what I mean? You're not going to. And, and I think this is part of the blatantly problem. just say, right now we've got the ball. We, no, no, no. These are now you're up against top players. Are now going to do everything. What happens is, as soon as you, as soon as they lose the ball, right, the left back goes bang tight. The two centre backs, one in front, one behind. The right back comes tucks in. The winger tucks in, he drops back, he, and all of a sudden they just bang, close you in and try and trying to stifle you, to panic you, to get the ball back and I think high up is, the pitch. And I think this is part of the problem. And Cardiff will come against better teams than they've played so far, and they're they're about to. But I think this is part of the problem of trying to make sure that you're defensively solid enough, but at the same time don't leave poor Kenneth Zahora or whoever's playing up top completely isolated. No, I think that he's got more ability to deal with that isolated lone striker role than the other centre forwards but, on the team's payroll, to answer your question. But can he do more, Zor? Can Zahor come deep and get it? Does he have to stay and occupy those two centre-halves? Can he come deep? Can, like Blakey says, can he come wide? Would Reid do that as someone more, maybe more comfortable well, playing well, in the pocket? See, see Reid Reed played there against Bournemouth. This is this is what football does for you. Replayed there against Bournemouth, and, and he all, looked tight. And all I heard yeah. from Cardiff fans was, "We need Ken Zahor." It just shows how important Ken Zahor is to this team, you know. Mm. So it's it's you know swings and roundabouts, if you like. I do think Zahor is most suited to the role because I do think you need an element of physicality up there, which he's got more than the than well, he hasn't got more physicality than Medine perhaps, but he's certainly got got more physicality and mobility. He's got more of an all round package, if you like. I still think you need to give Medine a try. Do you? Of course you do. You, you know, if Medine, imagine it, this is how it goes in, in football sometimes, Paul. I'm you know, stunned at this. The, 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 it, it does. I mean, you know, he hasn't. He's, he's never really been given. A no, proper, he hasn't. He's never he been hasn't. given the number nine. Say, go on in. No, you're no. my man. Right? No, he hasn't. He's, no. But he hasn't. He hasn't. At the same time, he hasn't earned that when no. he's played. Yeah. But he was right? signed as a as someone to kick Ken into action sort of thing. He was, well, you say that. That, that was but his main role. It did, it, no, I think it did kick Ken into action, but no, you're signed, just like goalkeepers, centre-forwards, you're signed as, right, I've got two of you now, it's competition. Best man will win, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, at this moment in time, I think Neil Warnock is slightly more confident with Zahor. But if Medine played and comes on last 15 minutes, nicks a goal, 1-0... And they won the game. You watched Medine's confidence. It would skyrocket. Sky yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, he'd probably go on a three or four games. He'd probably get two or three goals. Do you know what I mean? I think if you're looking at someone like Murray at Brighton, you would look and you'd say, well, he's no better than Medine and he's no better than uh, Kenneth Zahor. But what's he got? He got bags of experience playing at both Championship and Premier League level. And he knows how to get a goal. Do you know what I mean? His movement is good in the box. He's not quick. 
He's not fantastic in the air. He's good in the air. Got good timing in the air. But he's no better than you know what you would look at and go. He's just a decent Premier League player. But he still gets his goals. I think. I think at some point you can't just keep flogging a dead horse with Kenneth. Kenneth has got to either come good or you move aside for the next man to come in and have his turn. You can't just. Part of the problem is if the manager looks at Medine and says, "Well, I'm not confident with him." And he looks at Reed and says, well, I'm uh, not confident with him. Then he has no choice. And the, the, the one thing you've got to have in the Premier League is choice. Because Kenneth then gets into a position knowing that I'm not playing well and there's still no threat to my position. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why we, well, why Paul definitely is and why we have been for a long time such big fans as always. We started doing this, the three of us. I think towards the back end of, um, of Warnock's first season in charge, Windsor mm. Hall went on that incredible scoring run. Mm. I remember talking about that goal he scored against Preston, uh, remembering how he terrorised championship defences, and he did it again at the start of last season mm. against Wolves and we Villa and the like. We have for a long time, have we? That's the thing. We, it's a they year seem now. like distant memories now. Well, it's a year, effectively, Yeah. since it, we've seen it. And what we're saying is, well, the manager had to bring a player in, spend five million on a player to kickstart you. To start scoring again, there's a problem there for me. There's a problem there. He's not an automatic. He cannot be an automatic first choice anymore, surely. Well, I mean, no. I mean, you. The way Cardiff want to play, you say he's the first choice. But if the first choice doesn't keep doing, you've got to turn to the next best thing. The next best thing, in my opinion, if you the way Cardiff play, you need. You don't need a Bobby Reed. You need a Medine. You've got to have someone who's a platform to play off. Simple as that. Cardiff ain't going to have enough possession of the ball to be getting reading in behind, you know, running defences, turning defences and getting everyone up and keeping the ball and all. That's just not the way Cardiff are set up to play. It's not the players they got in their armoury to play. So, for me, you've got to be looking at Medine as, as, as soon or later. OK, just go and have a run for two games, three games. See what happens. Well, if he goes and gets a goal or two, like I said... A confident footballer is a different animal to someone who's just getting by. Well, my other question is: Is Cardiff squad imbalanced? Have they have they got? Is Medine like if you say Medine is the only real replacement for Zahor in the squad, which in terms of physicality and type of striker, you'd say he was. Did they need to have signed a different type of player to read if they're not going to play with a number ten? That's the point I was trying to make. Before. Yeah. You know what did you did you sign Reed as a utility player? Because I was under the impression you signed him as a striker. That's what I thought as well, but it's clear that they don't want to play with a striker of his his style. Well, then you should have thought about that before you purchased the boy. Mm. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? First of all, don't just purchase. Purchase. Don't purchase what you want. Purchase what you need. Right? And once you've got what you need, then you can start rolling the dice on different situations. I'm not saying they roll the dice on Reed. What I'm saying is the way Cardiff play, it's not conducive to have a small nippy... You know, if you remember in the championship, we, we tried it with um, the boy who ended up going to Bolton, the little from Reading we bought him. Lafondra. Lafondra. Oh, yeah, Lafondra. Never really worked. <laughs> you know, never really worked. Had a big physical team, they have been for a few number of years now. Never really worked with that little number nine up front. You know, it can do. Depends you know, how you want to play, doesn't but, it? But, you know, if, you, if you're playing that, you've got to know you've got two wingers either side who's coming in on the far post or again across the near or again. And he's going to be your aerial threat. 
know what I mean? Or you've got to play up to a position and then everything's got to be those little dattling runs in behind defenders where, you know, he's getting in and he's getting behind you. You know, at the moment, if Cardiff play with Reed, they should play to a different strategy than now they play with Zahor or Medine. And that's why I've said they've got to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. They've got to have several ways of playing in several formations, to me. I, th- I think that's very eloquently put, to be honest with you. Is the whole really getting this flack that you're talking about? I don't think we're giving him flack. I think we're, we're based on I performances. Think it's sort of being a little bit harsh here. I don't think Dom's giving him flack, and we I'm haven't given him flack. From the fans. I, mean, I don't think he's had, getting flack, but there's, 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 there's an issue. He's had two games of football in the Premier League. No, 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 no. But I think you have to look at. Like no, Dom I know just you said you go out. back a bit further. It's been a year since Kenneth really, and the only time he did kickstart was when. Medine was brought in but so you've got during, to ask the question during, mentally psychologically why is it taking a player to come in to threaten your position to kick you into goals and then you faded towards the end of the season and then you haven't like started like oh this is the Premier League I'm a house on fire you've kind of started in that same mind frame when we've seen a different mind frame before both like when Neil Warnock first come in and when Medine come in we've seen him on fire and that's what I was expecting him to start this season so it's not having a goal it's I, just we need I, more from Kenneth though. I, I think he's been totally isolated he in has the games I've seen I think it's really unfair to be criticising Zohar Paul I, I agree I wouldn't say he was totally isolated against Newcastle would you? yeah I would too, well, he, was they had, they, he was too isolated well, it's, it's, well it was too 50 isolated. it was almost 50-50 possession yeah but he wasn't Anyway, look, we'll agree. Because Newcastle were played in the very same vein as Cardiff did. The only difference between the two teams for me, if Rondon had gone on for Newcastle, they would have been like for like, practically. I mean, he had a couple of chances against Newcastle. I, I don't mind the centre forward not scoring goals as long as he's getting in positions. I've said this before. And he did get into a couple of positions against Newcastle where he should have buried a couple, I thought. Um, uh, let, let's see how he goes against it's certainly you know what? Terms- it's not even this go- at this at this early in the season I'm not bothered that he's not scored yet yeah performance level you know it, and and I agree with you there have been one or two games where he's looked isolated but then there's been games where he hasn't looked isolated where Cardiff played well Huddersfield okay I don't think it was a great this occasion for either team but I look at Bournemouth, I felt like that was just a nothing performance from everybody. And then New, Newcastle came after that. Yeah. Yep. Newcastle yeah. came after that. It was almost like the flip side. A very good performance. I thought they were higher up the pitch. They were closer to Zohor. You know, there were threats. Murphy was a threat. You know, and that didn't fall. It didn't fall apart. It went a bit pear shaped when the subs went on. Well, I think Neil Warnock was trying to go and win the game, but actually it had the adverse effect because players were going on thinking, right, we just want to make sure we don't lose the game rather well, than going and winning. Let me ask you, I mean, who, who were Arsenal centre-halves these days? Because, who's the expensive player they bought? They've the, got the German the, boy. The German player. Uh, well, at the, the moment, they will be playing Mustafi and so- Socrates. Socrates. They come from Dortmund. That's the one I meant. So they, yeah. they all play against Cardiff because I think Koscielny's out injured at Yeah, there. so who yeah. would Mustafi and Socrates at least want to play against out of Zahor, Medine, Bobby Reid, say? I would argue that they would not want to play against Zahor because he's the more complete centre-forward package of all of those Yeah, players. but if he's not on it, 
I would say I would go and put Medine to beat him up for for. for <laughs> I would, yeah, for sixty well, minutes. Do you know what? It's he amazing because might... I was going to say I, I think the least let's play against Reed because I think he's the most skillful. Mm. So there's three completely there different opinions. Go. That's why we love football. Yeah, yeah. We better end our debate yeah. there, otherwise yeah. uh, they're going to overheat. I think in this Come studio. Come on, Ken, time for a goal. Let's end this debate for good. Well, that's. We'll leave you the last word on that. Um, <laughs> and of course, we all hope Zola gets back to scoring ways. He will. Let's have a quick break then, and then we'll ask Blakey some questions. <laughs> You're listening to Blakey's Boot Room from Wales Online. Now, funnily enough, Nathan, a lot of the questions have revolved around Kenneth Zahor. So I'm going to to avoid Zahor-related questions. Okay, well, Um, give me me one or two. It's not fair. You want one Zahor-related question, do you? Go on, well, one of them is quite negative, so I'll have to, I'll have on, to, ignore, I'll have to ignore that. Do you yeah, want to read? Go for yeah, it. go on. Okay. Go on Rob Lay. We're not here just for the good. Rob Lay on Facebook says, The right, question Rob. has to be goals, goals, goals. Is it time to accept we have no magic cure and are destined for the championship next season? Well, Rob, that's, that's straight to the point, Blake. Optimistic Rob, looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know if his glass is half empty or not. Uh, I wouldn't go there. I Like I've said, I, think, I still think there'll be... Um, a few surprise results over the next few weeks, and um, you know, I'm still, I still think the players are, are coming to terms with the whole Premier League thing, the playing at the higher level, the little bit of cuteness you need, the the the, the, the setup. Like I said, counter attacks, all these things they have to improve on and be working day in, day in, day out. I, you know, if it was me, I'd be like a drill sergeant right now. There'd be no days off. But I'd explain to all the players, we can't afford to have days. I want days off as well. We can't afford to be getting days off. We need to get... There's so many things we need to get right. We need to make sure we've got what's our first system. Then our second system of play. Then our third system of play. Then how do we count the attack? Right, when we're coming up against Arsenal, that's totally different to coming up against Huddersfield. So how are we working all week to change what we need to do to be able to go and get a result against Arsenal? So to me, and, and then if you get to around about October and you know things are okay and running smoothly, then you can start maybe thinking, right, maybe every two weeks you get a day off or something like that. But right now, you know, Sundays after a Saturday is your warm down day. That's kind of like the back half of my career. That was the only day you had off, really. You didn't have a, uh, used to have a Wednesday off earlier on in the career, but that kind of went towards the back end of it. So, in answer to Rob, they just need to formulate a game plan. They need to, to develop add, they it. Need, yeah, listen, I said last season, uh, I'll say it on record again, I, you know, I don't, I'm not bothered by anybody coming back at me with anything. I felt, you know, Neil Warnock, is brilliant motivational yeah but I said he needs with him a top coach someone who is tactically super savvy well yeah? how um... so go and get him and then still Neil Warnock is the man that says yeah we'll do that no I don't like that yes I think that'll help no that won't help I just think that's something that and that's no nothing against any coach that's there at the moment, don't get your knickers in the twist. It's just, listen, all I'm saying is I want to be the best we can be. And this is an opportunity back in the Premier League. And if you don't stay there, if you don't take it, you know, 
what was it, four or five years since we last were here. Yeah. We might not be here for another 10. We might not never get back if we went down. So, well, that's, that's very relevant that you said that, actually, because both Paul Grono and at Bluebirds Gossip on Twitter have said the idea of bringing in an additional coaching staff to assist with the attacking element of the game, maybe someone with more Premier League experience than the likes of Jepson and Blackwell, because Cardiff don't have that at the moment. Said it, said it since last season. Okay, another one then from Mike Madge on Facebook. He says... And well, this is perfect to segue into our final part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. What do you think Warnock's tactics will be looking ahead to the Arsenal game? And I'll throw that open to. Uh, well, he'll, to he'll, give, he'll, he'll give away possession because he'll concede possession because Arsenal are so good in possession. So he will concede possession. And, but there's certain players that you would think, right, well, he's weaker. You know, him, when we're high up the pitch, we can close him down and, and try and win the ball off him. Listen, I you know there are things that need to be worked on individually and collectively, week in week out, and it's going to alter week in because your opposition does, and this is the Premier League. It's not, you know. You can't just I'm go not in saying the same game plan no, every you week. can't go no. in the same game plan. It's, you know, it's nothing to fear by it. Just me. I remember having arguments about how we're going to go to Old Trafford and how we're going to go to Anfield or how we're going to go to to West Brom or how you're going to go to, you know, Hull or whoever. They, they, it, 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 it adapts, it changes depending. And that was, you know, that was going, that was in the championship with Colin Todd. You know, when I went to the Premier League, it was different again, you know, different personnel, different coaching techniques, different tactics. So I just think, you know, my worry is, is, you do much of the same you did last year and you only improve 1% here and there. Like right across the board, everything, everything right across the board needs to improve. It's too great a leap. To 5%, to, yeah. something like that. Here's one for, for both of you then before we conclude this part and we'll do our predictions for Arsenal. There's a big chance that Junior Hoylet could be out for this week. We know that uh, Mendes Lang is definitely out for three months. We talked about strikers. Who's the front three to face Arsenal? Paul? Ooh, um, three to face Arsenal. If it, if you if you are playing a front three, that is obviously. Well, well two are shoo-ins, aren't they? Zahor and Murphy. <laughs> I would say one is a shoo-in. I think Zahor and Murphy are shoo-ins, and you got to go to Reed. Isn't Reed, you? Reed has to play on the other side. They yeah. read on the right wing. Yeah. 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 With with the midfield trio. Right number three. Of. Kamarasa and Arta. I suppose Gunnison's not fit yet, is he? No, Gunnison won't be available. Cardiff, so. Cardiff need Gunnison back in that team. I know a lot of fans don't see that. I think Cardiff need Aaron Gunnison back in that team to advance into those very positions that Blakey spoke about at the start of this boot room, which I think Gunnison can do. You know, you give the ball, what you're saying, you then move five yards to the left to get it back. Yeah, yeah, he's international, mate. I've seen a, him do it. I thought that was a really good tactical analysis Blakey mm. gave there right at the mm. start. And... I could see Gunnison doing that. Oh, he's done it in the national um, level. Yeah, Cardiff right. need him back in. But but in terms of the front three, it has to be those three. And do you know what? Even if Junior Hoylet were fit, Junior Hoylet hasn't set the world on fire yet. If we're talking, if we're criticising Kenneth Zahor here, um, if we're... If Don't we're you looking, dare, Kenneth! <laughs> Don't you dare criticise my know, Kenneth! <laughs> is there anything wrong with, with having a front three of Reed, Zahor and Murphy? I think you've got to keep finding, uh, keep playing with it till you find a balance. 
Because pre-season, everyone's saying how Reed and Murphy look so sharp together. We haven't so, really seen so them play together. We haven't seen them play together, right. That's my next point. Well, what I would say is that I, I think that we need to see, and please don't take this the wrong way, Cardiff fans, let me explain. We need to see the worst of Neil Warnock in this game of football. <laughs> By that, I mean the worst of Neil Warnock from in terms of how outsiders and Arsenal will view him, right? But the best from Cardiff's perspective. We need to, This is a massive game for Cardiff, and that's because... Beat Arsenal, and that's not beyond the realms of possibility, right? It's unlikely, but not beyond the realms of possibility. Beat Arsenal 1-0 with a set-piece goal, whatever, and suddenly this becomes a really good start to the season with the 2-0 and the draw. Suddenly the perspective changes. 100%. And I think Cardiff are not going to outplay Arsenal, all right? Let's forget that, right? They have to play the worst of Neil Warnock's style of football or the best, whichever way you want to view it. Really, really get City. stuck in. The best free-flowing, fast, get it up there. Stuff. Leave the mark. You know that sort of thing. Make Mesut Ozil if he plays realize. Hang on, what's going on here? That sort of thing. It really needs to be a. You need to just bully them. them is what you're saying. I am. Yeah, the crowd playing their part, which they will. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be one of those games where gloves are off. Le- Leeds United all those years ago in the FA Cup that sort of that sort yeah. of occasion I agree with that's you. what I'm trying to explain I agree with no you no pretty football just a real yeah gloves are off I agree get with you I still them. think they need to get even then it might not goals be goals from Nathan. open play I still think they need to not just concentrate everything being a set piece you but know we're, we're becoming this was my fear before we're becoming a team that only now talks about scoring from a set piece you know, we can score from free-flowing open play also. And, you know, that's. I think that would give the, the players far more confidence if we did. So, yeah, I agree. And I agree, I think you've got to go and try and bully Arsenal because I believe there are players there you can bully, yeah. even at the centre-back position. Yeah, I think Mustafi can be bullied. Yeah. yeah? So that's why I would probably... I would. I'd, I'd go with Medine. I just, I just let him off the leash and say, my, "Go and just go and have sixty minutes." My fear for the game is that they get the midfield control that I fear they will get. Aaron Ramsey has a stormer and they win two or three 0 That's my fear. Yeah. But I think the way Cardiff counteract that is a real route one approach for this one, which is not an approach I normally advocate, to be fair. But it's the only way Cardiff can can really unset. They've got to unsettle. They've got to. They're not going to the pass cat, They've got to set the cat amongst the pigeons, ruffle their feathers, that sort of thing. That's what I mean by the worst of Warnock from Arsenal's perspective. From Cardiff's, it will be the best of Warnock for, for ninety minutes. Well, before the uh, the season started, I think you might have asked me, Paul, when is Warnock going to have his first major run in with an opposition manager? Because it will happen at some point, as it as it has done with Warnock. And I think I said. Unai Emery and Arsenal. I don't know why I said that, but I th- new new manager coming to Cardiff might be some sort of well, tension listen, there. It'll be, it'll be a culture shock for Unai Emery as well. Yeah, you know, that's what that's how what, much that's will he have seen an intimidating sort of? Uh, you know, he'd have been to lots of intimidating bigger stadia, but you know, this will this can be a special atmosphere on Saturday, a Wales v England type thing, and and 
I don't know. It's just it's almost like the established Premier League side against the the new up and comers. Yeah, us against the world from a Cardiff yeah. perspective, that sort of thing. So that that may be the case. I certainly think he would have had a bust up with Arsene Wenger. Were Arsene Wenger here? You like Wenger? Well, like, yeah, he, he was always talking glowing terms about him. Doesn't like anyone over. Rafferard, maybe you might have a bust up with. Well, that seems to have uh, cooled down. Right, I can't be bothered going for a, bla- a break, Blakey. So let's get into. Um, into your well, let's me and Paul predict the key, the Arsenal game, and then we'll get on to Blakey's Premier League predictions. Paul, scoreline. Do you know it's so hard to call? Or my head is telling me two 0 Arsenal, but I think it will be one of those games where Warnock has his players really fired up. I'm going nil nil again. No. Oh. You're right. joking me. I'm going 0-0 again. A third 0-0 on the trot. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'll, I will go along similar lines, but I'll have the belief that, that Cardiff will score their first Premier League goal this weekend. So I'll say a 1-1 draw. A battling 1-1. Okay. Nathan, take it away. Just to, uh, to update listeners on Nathan's Premier League predictions, last week I've given Blakey eight points out of a possible 20 so he gets one point if he gets a result right and two if he gets the score right that's a pretty impressive score right so he got six results right and he got the exact score right on Bournemouth Everton being a 2-2 draw that's better than Mark Lawrenson does with a B Blakey four points the first week Nathan and eight the second so you're on the you're on upward trajectory (laughs) let's only hope Kenneth Tahoe can follow suit (laughs) Uh, and now a few Premier League predictions for this weekend Um, so what's the first game uh, Leicester Liverpool I've gone Liverpool 3-1. Uh, might be 2-1, but I've gone Leicester, uh, Liverpool 3-1. Why is that? Just, just foul? Uh, I just think, yeah, Liverpool, confidence, top of the league, 3 out of 3. Leicester have done well as also, but I think um, right now Liverpool in quite supreme form. So I've gone 3-1 Liverpool, Brighton, Fulham. I've gone Brighton 2-1 actually. Because I think mm-hmm. Fulham, they're a bit stop-start at the moment. They're not sure whether they're coming or going. And Brighton, very much the same. But Brighton being at home, they're strong at home. So I've gone 2-1. Uh, Chelsea-Bournemouth, I've gone 3-2 Chelsea. I think Bournemouth, the way they've been playing, they'll get back in the game. I think, But the way Chelsea are playing, they're just suffocating teams with a whole heap of possession. And slow slow and then fast fast through the lines they're looking I, I fancy them for the top two this year Chelsea mm. um, Palace four Southampton one I wow. what what uh, Sparky said after uh, Southampton's game I wasn't wholeheartedly convinced I still think they've got this it's just something not quite clicking there at the moment but Palace good team good squad so I've gone at home there they're, they're a handful as well and I think some like Southampton they'll put them to the sword um, Everton 2 Huddersfield 0 I think Huddersfield uh, struggling with a bit of confidence I think they needed to beat us at home to really kick start and I think Everton are, are going good guns at the moment so I've gone a 2-0 win for Everton then a West Ham Wolves. I have actually gone for an away win here. I've gone for West Ham 2, Wolves 3. I just think um, Wolves are on a cloud nine at the moment. And West Ham still yet to 
really fire. Um, seen last night, they're not playing with a whole heap of confidence. Struggling a bit, are they? Yeah, and that that stadium is becoming a bit of a noose around their neck. So I'm going to go Wolves three two, uh, Man City three, Newcastle one. I think Man City obviously watching other teams win, and okay, it's only a draw, but this early in the season just gets everyone talking. You know, Liverpool are closer to them, and this and that. It's all rhetoric, I know, but um, I've gone City to win at Newcastle uh, at home to Newcastle three one. Cardiff two, Arsenal one. Ooh, there we go. All right, so this is the I say what I said in the first program was Cardiff can't afford to have you know these cup finals against the big teams all the time. They've got to become used to just playing in those games. But right now, first big one, I still think it'd be a bit of a cup final. And I think at the Cardiff City Stadium, there are a few players who might just wilt on the Arsenal team. So I've gone for 2-1. Um, and that's not bias speaking. That's just how I think the pattern of the game will go, honestly. Uh, Burnley won, Man United 2. I think always when their back's against the wall, I've seen the United players come out doing or holding arms or something or saying United forever. I think they got a bit of a point to prove and that's a bit of a derby as well. But a difficult place to go. But they ain't started great Burnley for different reasons. And then Watford against Spurs, last but not least. I've gone for a 1-1 draw because I think both teams are, you know... Both started well. Yeah, and they're both... They, they've got like, players who can cancel each other out at both ends of the pitch. So um, I've gone for a 1-1. Superb stuff, Blakey. We'll have to see if you continue your scintillating form Absolutely. next week. And also see if uh, if Paul's prediction of a third successive nil-nil comes off. I really hope that it doesn't, to be honest with you. As do I. As do I. <laughs> I want some goals to report on, Paul. Uh, anyway, that's pretty much it for today's podcast. You can, of course, get your questions in to Nathan every week on Twitter at Cardiff City Live or on the Cardiff City Online Facebook page. The podcast is brought to you in association with Giovanni's Restaurants. And you can subscribe on iTunes and all the other podcast places. But that is pretty much it. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. Au revoir. And we'll be back very, very soon. 